0: Welcome, good evening. So tonight we'll ask for questions. Are there any questions? Yes. Um, I was wondering if you know much about Christian mysticism. I haven't heard much about Like when I hear about Christianity, I just think of like big religious structures and things like that. I don't know much about like the mysticism side of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, there are a number of religious traditions, um, not a lot, um, that are um, at their heart or core what I refer to as ego effacing, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is that they, um, in the in 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 the context of Bringing about emancipation from uh, the limitations of material existence, the temporal, and so forth, Um, they deconstruct the identity that we were talking about the other night that arrived, the I that is. Uh, arises out of my Mm -hmm. so as I often say our attachments uh, define us materially speaking the things that we're attached to the ideas that we're attached to and so forth outside of well-reasoned spiritual ideas which is another thing Uh, they um, they create an identity so to speak right so that when I say ego face, i mean the path that involves de- deconstructing that um, and um, then there are different ideas about what's left over and 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 uh, uh and um, what's the nature of its uh experience but in you know in a broad. With a broad brush, it's eternity, Hmm. living beyond uh, time and space, the the constraints, the limits of time and space. Hmm. Um, You know, aside from a few such uh, traditions that um, are have a long history in the world and have produced a number of mystics, there are all kinds of spiritual uh, ideas and um, branches of, uh, sub-branches of these religions that don't have that focus, uh, that understanding of what spiritual life actually constitutes. Mm. There's not a clear understanding between the difference between, in terms of the difference between consciousness and matter that, to one extent or another, are central to these ego facing paths. So, you, know, you look at the great uh, world, tr- tr- religious traditions of the world, you know, you have Christianity, uh, you have Islam, you have I guess you would include, include Buddhism in there. It's, it's thought of as, as a religion, has a religious component to it. Certainly, It's uh, we talked a little bit about this the other night, so anyway, Buddhism. You have Hinduism. What else do you have? Judaism, hmm. Judaism, Judaism, yeah. Hmm. So these are the major religions. I mean, they're, they're uh, there's Shintoism. There's Taoism. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, hmm? Jainism. Jainism. There's, there's a number of them in India, offshoots from, outgrowths from, from Hinduism, and so forth. Anyway, uh, there's a handful of them, and and in them, if they have currency, as I would say, they. Um, will have a history of success in the form of uh, saintly persons who to one extent or another are in the world but not of the world and exhibit uh, qualities that uh, are um, would be found in other mystics of other traditions some common ground while there may be differences in their experience there's Considerable common ground, and uh, in, in, and basically, the common ground is the facing of the ego. Right? Um, so, um, at the same time, these traditions have what I refer to as large congregations that amount to a social religious orientation to the tradition. So it's religious, and it's social, and it's about this world, largely. The concern is this world. And it's not really um, overtly involved with deconstructing the ego, the the detachment that is the corollary of real knowledge. Hmm. Detachment Detachment means... Just like in any field, uh, it's it's thought that uh, if we're objective rather than emotionally attached to a particular perspective and we just follow the facts, we're going to get the truth. So in the court of law, you want to follow the facts, right? In science, you're going to like oh, put on a white coat and just going to, be objective here, I might go into the experiment thinking it's like this, but whatever the facts tell me, I'm going to follow. Hmm. So, um, there's in, uh, these are examples of the, this point that I'm making about detachment, hmm. that we detach ourselves from our personal subjective views and just follow the facts. Mm-hmm. So in uh, the spiritual uh, traditions, again, that are ego-facing and that are embraced from a, with a mystical orientation rather than a socio-religious orientation, then the... Um, there is this uh, detachment. We would say it arises from 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 knowledge as to the Im- impermanence of things that aren't worth pursuing. If my pursuit is enduring happiness, I'm not going to get it from things that don't endure. So, if I'm in- knowledgeable, then I'll be detached and um, let go and know. So to speak, right? But the these major religious traditions of the world have a large, much larger congregation of people who are interested in it for other reasons, and maybe that's in the background at best. Let's take Judaism. Hmm? Now, who 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 is one of the most prominent mystics arising out of Judaism? Who Abraham, Abraham. Jesus, if you how about Abraham. Jesus? okay, but some of the Jews... okay, well, let's go with the standard the more popular idea that Jesus was a Jew hmm. and um the point being what in the tradition, a real participant arose. And arrived at a mystical sense of what it was about, and his own congregation crucified him they didn't they didn't recognize the heart of their own tradition so that's how how disconnected you can get from what the tradition's about and while being the loudest voice and the most faithful, right? Hmm, right? So it's fairly common. You can find it in, in so many uh, traditions, something you know, similar, where the what, the what the tradition's really about, which is a very deep and call for commitment and a and, uh, very high ideal, a uh, few people are embracing the tradition with that in mind. One of the nice things, I think, about Hinduism is that it's a little harder not to, not to know that the mysticism or uh, ego effacement is the heart of the tradition. There are definitely Hindu fundamentalists. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, but still, the texts are full of such uh, descriptions. Hmm? And the saints are many. Hmm? I mean, the miracle of Jesus was bringing himself back from the dead. We just heard Krishna brought back thousands of cowherds back from the dead. <laughs> so India is, you know, a land of miracles, mysticism and so forth comparatively it's it's known like that uh, all over the world you yeah. know yeah. and it's an it's an adventure it it it, it 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 in 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 the in pursuit of the mystical to go to an alternative answer than what the world is basically offering an alternative diet uh, or of information that the world that you know what the world is generally offering you, it used to be like that in the 60s and 70s and even 80s, and I had to go to go to India. India. So um, it's a land of mysticism. It's got so many sadhus. It's got kitchens set up to feed sadhus. It's a way of life that you could, it's, a, it's an occupation that you could take up. What do I want to be when I grow up on? I think I'll be a sadhu. Okay. You don't need much, here's a cloth, go to the Himalayas. There you go. You find a cave, and some other people there are doing the same thing and so but but it's but that's there in all these traditions, so you have the mystical branch of Islam, let's say Sufism, you know and you have saints like Rumi and others, and what they're experiencing you hear them talk or what they've written, you can see there's as I say, there's a lot of common ground between. Jesus of Nazareth, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of, of within Hinduism, and Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and so forth. Hmm. Um, the Buddha. Hmm? There's a little bit of all of it. You know, there's the story of uh, Jonah in the whale, right? And we have our own version of that. That's true on another another level, but I'm talking about in terms of experience of the of the, of the self deconstructing of the false self and experiencing let's say the higher self, whatever the Atma so they're, 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 they, they they have you find this common ground so what you're finding is um, intersubjective i guess you call it intersubjective um, uh reporting. So you have objective reporting that we stepped aside from our subjective experience. We went into the lab, we controlled the environment, made an experiment, got this data, and we're reporting to you. This is what's going on. Then you have subjective reporting. I experienced this. I felt it was like that. You could take that or leave that, perhaps. Hmm? That's generally the way it's, things are looked at in the world today. We look for third-person, objective, verifiable evidence. Trumps personal, subjective. I think, I feel, and so forth. Hmm. That's true to some extent, but of course, as I often say, one thing that we only only thing that we really know is that we we exist, which is a subjective experience. So you can't dismiss subjectivity by any means altogether. Hmm course there's the postmodern philosophical push for subjectivity also that was popular a while back but what I'm talking about is what might be called intra intersubjectivity let's say so that means this person from Islam from Sufism this person from Buddhism this person within Christianity this person from Hinduism all mystics in their own right they're all reporting. and As it turns out, there's a lot of they have a they have a common experience. They may articulate it differently, and there may be some differences in their experience, um, determined by the approach they've taken, of which there may be any number. Uh, to, as I say, facing the ego and entering into transcendence, to which there are different degrees of penetri- penetration relative to the the, the method you take. Mm-hmm. There's a saying, all roads in Italy lead to Rome. It may be true. But in Rome, there are many other roads. <laughs> uh, and not all of them lead to the capital or the Vatican. Mm-hmm. So, let's say all the interstate, you know, <laughs> the main traditions, we 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 kind of know that they all lead to the Rome of transcendence, if you will. And if we analyze very carefully, we see well they go on to a different street with different address within there. And meanwhile, there are other, many other roads that don't go there at all. We're talking of the main arteries, right? Mm. The main traditions that, that and we 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 give them that because they've produced some results. Mm. And consistently they may be few and far between, there may be a Jesus and a Francis, you know, and so forth. But I mean it 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 it, it was never billed as something that would be easy. Mm. but certainly worthwhile if you if you if you think about it, even if it takes time, the pursuit of enlightenment, right? So there's uh, there's, there's this common ground of their experience, and they report on that. So that gives it some, gives it uh, gives it some credibility for those who are paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, again, uh, not too many people are paying attention, so the jews are said to have crucified jesus with the help of the romans but they turned him in um there he was personifying what the tradition was about it's it's hard to say that he wasn't a, he wasn't uh exemplifying uh all that the tradition could 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 offer one and he said you know things like whatever put everything down follow me or something like that what was it? Uh huh. There you go. So, yeah. So, um, the, the, the good example. I've told the story before, for, so some of you may have heard it. But there was a time when I was um, um, teaching in uh, in the Chicago area many years ago, and um, there was a Presbyterian Church just down the street and the um it was a husband and wife um, team the husband was the pastor and they were um, I don't know maybe in their late th- late 30s something like that and they had an older congregation and so the uh, the wife um, she used to see us devotees Going from the temple to across the street, back you know here and there to do things, and she was intrigued by that, and so she visited the temple, and then she she used to listen to me lecture, she was very um, charmed by that, and uh, and would talk to me afterwards and so forth, and so she would go home. And tell her husband, and he, Swami said this, you know, na, na, na. and so he started factoring into his lectures some of the, the um, ego-effacing kind of messages <laughs> uh, that what, what Christianity, you know, he put it in that framework, was really all about. And the congregation revolted and wrote to the bishop. And the bishop had him transferred to the Bahamas where he could talk to the Indians or whatever, you know, uh, who might not come, who didn't have as much money or something. I, I don't know. So they turned him in. Not They had no idea that he was preaching from what I would, he was just giving the spirit of, of, which he could understand was part of his own tradition in Christian language and so forth and pushing on them as a, As a someone in that position should do to sacrifice and give and and um, of them you know of of themselves not just their money you know um, so on and so forth so another example um, of how the larger congregation often doesn't understand what the heart of the tradition that they're identified with is all about so so yes um, there are Christian mystics and. One of the things that um, I found attractive, as a young boy, I was brought up in a Catholic family about Catholicism, was that they had these saints. Whereas the Protestant boy next door, in their tradition, they didn't have any saints. They had Luther, the re, who, who was a revolutionary, and for good and and. For right and wrong reasons, I would say, if you know the history, rejected the church, and then they put the Bible in the hand of everyone and said, "You interpret it yourself. We don't need the church to interpret it. You interpret it." And then you got ten thousand churches <laughs> with somebody's interpretation of the Bible. They can imagine that we. we have, not everybody's capable of understanding the scriptures and landing on their feet and really understanding what it's saying and so forth. And so then you get these extreme forms of Christianity where I'm saved, you know, <laughs> I believe in Jesus, I'm saved. And, and, uh, and I'm a, I'm a sinner. What can I do? There's nothing I can do about it. So well, let's go out tonight and you know, have a drink or whatever. I've met people like that. this, uh, so that's a a problem obviously. But uh, you know, I mean there were problems with the institution of the Catholic Church too. There still are. <laughs> um so that's there. Um that's another issue institutions and whatnot. problems that that, you know, that what that can arise. Hmm. Uh, there their limitations and so forth. Well, though they're they're meant to um make the tradition available to people and facilitate the pursuit of the ideals, but they're subject to corruption nonetheless. But anyway, um, I was attracted to the fact that there were saints. And um, there's, there's there, there developed within Catholicism a system for canonizing um, members oh they had to perform a couple of miracles after they died or something like that that were verifiable um i th- i think that i'm not sure when that came about um but but the uh early catholic saints you didn't have to wait till they died <laughs> to, to 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 because they were they were actually mystics and uh, and, and there's uh, there's a number of examples of their um, sometimes miraculous deeds, like levitation. What was that one guy's name? This one saint, uh, and he would fly. He could fly, a flying saint. It's documented. Um, and and besides that, besides anything overt like that, just their renunciation. Hmm. Their focused they're living with less and and so forth and the compassion that they had um and so on and so forth, all these signs of um, uh, growth through through giving right uh we're parenting them and and of course um you know catholicism catholicism uh, or the original form of Christianity I guess you would could say um, uh, it underwent a great deal of persecution at a certain point mm-hmm. Saint and uh, so St Joseph of Cupertino he was the flyer right St Joseph of, of Cupertino yes. yeah okay there you go the too much. <laughs> yeah so they you know they Resisted the um, the the political rule and whatnot, and risked their lives, and they were martyrs. They died. So these were like a lot of serious people. And whenever I go to Europe, um, which I go once a year to Poland, um, uh, I like to go into the cities and see the old old Christian, Christian Catholic churches, and then you've got the Eastern. What is it like? Eastern or east Eastern or Eastern Orthodox and look at the iconography. It's very otherworldly inspiring. Um and uh, so these yeah, they were real, real saints in that tradition. Mm-hmm. And uh when we were kids, uh when I, in, in in my life then as a Catholic, yet I think at the age of twelve you you did something that they called confirmation, which was you would you you were supposed to be you're 12 now you're old enough to make a, for a an adult decision <laughs> about about religion. So you would you know you just do what you're told. <laughs> you, 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 you went, so uh, you know it should have been older, but anyway, and they would have had less less confirmants, I guess <laughs> possibly, but. You would go to confirmation, then you would pick a like a patron saint who would be the saint that you know presided over your confirmation that i'm a i am i am committed to the faith and I picked uh, saint Francis of Sissy, who was the vegetarian and and uh, there' a lot of nice stories about him so anyway i was i was attracted to that idea um, I was attracted to um when I first understood religion, I thought I should become a priest then that's what it means, right that that's how you should approach it and I went to went to to Catholic high school, but I was very disappointed in the Jesuits who were the teachers, the things that they did that I, I mean just you just they smoked some of them. I thought, "How can you be a saint and smoke That doesn't make a, this is a stupid thing to do because I had tried it <laughs> I was like, that's dumb. <laughs> you know, you steal a pack of palm Malls from your grandmother, go out in the woods with a couple other, we're going to get into it today. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Well, it didn't take me long to figure out that was, uh, wasn't worth pursuing. (laughs) So I thought, well, you know, how could you be so dumb and be a saint? (laughs) Just a crude example. There are other more um, compelling examples of, of friends who had, you know, priests who were their counselors <laughs> and um, were a little too friendly i didn't learn into that myself but uh, they were there so that turned me off hmm. through the whole thing and so i went my own way right was it all you know that was in i graduated from high school in 1967 that was a summer of love so there was a lot of other things going on this indian influence mysticism you know was part of the whole hippie scene so to find another spirituality and of course I was at a certain point I made a concerted effort to look for a guru you know and I found Prabhupada but but yeah there are saints in Christianity there's there's a lot of them there's a lot of nice books published about their lives and so forth and as you see there on the internet Right, you can read about Saint Joseph of Cupertino Um, but you're moving forward with the Christian church when you come to the Protestant, uh, the protest you know, against the church. They don't have any official system for canonizing anybody. They don't, you know, part of the whole thing was to do away with intermediaries between us and God because these intermediaries, gurus, priests... They may um, not be uh, live up to their what the the task that they're uh, the service that they have. So you know he kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater, if you will. So they just did away with all the saints, intermediaries, um, and so forth. That's similar to how Buddhism the board of Hinduism to to try to eliminate I think, all of them. I think that's a little different because they've got Buddhas and they've got their their hierarchy and so forth of uh, in in their monasticism. the 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 Buddhists uh, the Buddha. Uh, I talked about it a little bit last night. More, re- it's, it, there's there's some similarities. They rejected the idea the common idea the karma marg of within hinduism which is embracing the tradition as a means to have a better material life so there's a place for that it's just it's it's just it's just the beauty of hinduism is it's clear that you're supposed to progress through that that there's there, there's there's more to it than that that's clear And so there's always respect for saints. So the Buddha was reacting to that and to fanatical, literal kind of um, explanations of the scriptures and so forth. So he he started his own path, which was thought to be based on observable evidence Mm. rather than texts and stories and promises and... And so forth. and he just focused on a, on a, you know, something that's there in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, the attachment to uh, things is the womb from which suffering is born. And so he's just taking a part of it out, focusing on it entirely. And we consider him Hindu. He was a Hindu. Buddha was a Hindu. Go to Buddha. So. Um, yeah, there are, there are a, lot of, a lot of saints in different traditions. What else? Yes.
1: Okay, so kind of building on his question, we know that there is a lot of mysticism in Christianity. And one of the things that I found really interesting is that when you get into learning about Jesus and the knowledge that was left out whenever they canonized the Bible at the Council of Nicaea, the people who were really interested in that stuff, the Gnostics and the scholars who wanted Mm -hmm. to know his origins. Most of the saints, their miraculous achievements were well into adulthood, but there are some stories of Jesus doing things like um, when he was a small child, he's outside playing on the Sabbath at a water source, and he's molding these doves out of the wet earth, And some of the villagers come out and they're like, hey, you shouldn't be out here getting pretty angry at him because it's the Sabbath. So what does he do? He brings the doves to life and then he smites the villagers who are chastising him. (laughs) So, Good for him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My question is mainly, was Jesus just a saint and a guru? I've heard that spoken about before. Or was he an avatar of sorts? Does he have a place in the pantheon of Hinduism? And what about Krishna consciousness? How should we see him and resolve anything with Christian origins, with newfound knowledge?
0: Yeah. Well, um, you know, we have to rely a little bit on history, which, you know, there are different accounts, right? as you are saying, right? Um, but um, um, the fact that you're bringing up, let's say that's a historical fact that uh, Jesus performed miracles in his childhood, even. Would that be evidence that he was more than just a saint? Well, I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't say just a saint. From our Vaishnav point of view, the saints are more important than God. Because they show the way. To love God, and they are the object of God's love. So if God loves the saints, then we should think, hmm, why should I love God? I should love the saints. That's what God does. Of course, loving the saints means loving God, right? So they hold a very central uh, position. And there are examples of saints who, from their childhood, um, exhibit their, their saintliness, which could be a carryover from previous life. Mm-hmm. So they progress to a certain uh, stage in a previous life, and they pick up um, in the next life where they're born, if they are. So you could have uh, you, there are you know h- histories like this in India of of such such saints. So the fact that Jesus did something miraculous like that in his youth, in and of itself. Wouldn't cause us, from our perspective, to say, "Oh, he's he's an avatar." That said, um, he had um, considerable power to influence other people and a teaching, not just miracles that he did, hmm, but a teaching, that, um, a talk that he, you know, walked. Hmm, besides, besides mystical things that he did. Let me put it like this. Um, one time I was um, sitting on a stage in South India and Prabhupada was giving a lecture, my guru, 50,000 people come, big tents and everything like that. He was lecturing from The Fifth candle of the Bhagavatam, The Teachings of Vrishabhadeva. It's a nice section. There were several of us sitting on the stage. So after the talk, he entertained some questions. And one man asked, Swamiji, have you ever performed any miracles? And he said, yes. These boys have given up sex. That is my miracle. That is mystical. <laughs> right. To harness the human passions, that's miraculous. Try it. That's, how can you do that? So besides making something out of nothing or you know, the kind of magical mysticism, which is, you know, cooking and then feeding and, and the pot never ends for as many people as come. There's a common, common miracle you can find that saints perform things like that, that are overtly miraculous. If we're miraculous, if we pay attention, is their life miraculous? Have they harnessed the human passions? That's something that we can objectively observe in them. So then we have reason to believe there's something going on inside that's really preoccupying them, that, that, that's calling them, hmm, a taste, an experience that enables them to just ignore the call of the senses, the invitation of the sense objects. Taste me, feel me, touch me, smell me, hear me. They have no appetite for that. Hmm. So, so that's more what we should look to, and we find that in Jesus, right? Um, that kind of character. Hmm. You can find persons who are thought as as saints that do miracles but don't have good character. So now that's you got like a like a Sai baba or something like that. He said he made some made, made gold, manifest gold and things like give out but his the reports on his character which are pretty consistent are not um Consistent with what, uh, how saintly persons would uh, naturally, without trying, conduct themselves. Hmm. So that's that's a miracle. So, anyway, with regard to Jesus, also, you know, obviously a whole tradition is formed around him, and so on and so forth. So, um, the tendency I would say within Hinduism. In general, what would be to think of him as as a saint, or, or some might think of him as, as an avatar. Now, a lot of people don't think those things out in detail, but you know, in a tradition like ours, we do. Like, if you say this person's an avatar, we'll say which kind of avatar? Is it a Shakti avatar, Manvantara avatar, uh, Yuga avatar, uh, hmm? Guna avatar. avatar? This uh, whoa, you know. <laughs> so we got all. <laughs> so uh, um that that said you know he, he's not the subject of a lot of study on the part of persons in our tradition but Bhaktivinoda Thakur, who's kind of the grandfather of uh, myself in, in our tradition and the, the kind of the the, the uh, main figure in the in the in the branch of Gaudiya vaishnavism that we're in in the, in the modern world, who whose disciple, the great Bhakti Siddhanta, started a mission and sending missionaries around the world, uh, whose disciple was my Mirage who traveled all over the world, and we're here because of it, and so forth. Bhakti Vinod wrote, uh, uh, in one of his, he wrote more than one commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. Are you familiar with the Bhagavad Gita? Have heard of it? You know about it. So in the Bhagavad Gita, in one of his commentaries, in the fourth chapter, there is a... Uh, a a cha- the fourth chapter is about knowledge, spiritual knowledge, the yoga of knowledge. But the, but the beginning of the chapter is a segue into what's called Avatar Tatva, the, 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 the truth about the nature of the Avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a few verses about that, and um, Krishna is explaining, and it's apparent. Well, he must be an Avatar. Um, so in the, one of the verses krishna says that um yada yada dharmasya what's the next one prithurnayasara nun binashaya tad ruskritam dharma sam stapanartaya sambhavami juge juge he said uh, in, in when there's a given a certain circumstances in the world i come Millennium after millennium. Hmm. Sambabhami, yuge, yuga, yuga, Yuga means like millenniums. Millennium after millennium. There are different uh, descriptions and different texts how long this millennium yuga in the Sanskrit uh, uh, extends for. But anyway, I come yuga after yuga. So he's talking about a, a type of descent avatar, right? Hmm? And writing about that, Bhakti Vinod in one of his commentaries said, said, "And this doesn't mean only in India. Where there's history of avatars and uh, who have you know met the criterion. Well, what's the criterion given in Chaitanya Charitamrita? Oh, there's a criterion given there. Now I'm trying to think. For the moment, um, it's only twofold, I think, but." And, and he, I'm sorry, forgive me, I can't remember. It's an important point. But, um, but at any rate, they meet the criterion. And, and so he said, not only in India, but in other countries too, in the form of shaktivesh avatar, in different cultures, they may appear and teach the Dharma in the language of that culture, with those cultural sensibilities. So he was referring... Yeah, to Jesus, in that, as in, as, in, as, in, as a avatar means a not God, but an individual Atma like us that is empowered by the Godhead to, to do that kind of work God's work. So, an empowered, an ordinary soul empowered to do the work of an avatar. Mm. Is a type of avatar, as opposed to the godhead himself coming like Krishna. But you could be you know, Shaktivesh avatars. So Avesh means to be like absorbed, in, absorbed in, in, in. Shakti means Shakti, so there are different powers, Shaktis of the godhead, so you could be empowered with one of those Shaktis and. In that sense, be an avatar. So he, he tended to look. Bhaktivinoda, who had a Western education and thoroughly uh, in his uh, youth uh, uh, investigated Christianity and had some sympathy for it and so forth, he considered Jesus as a as a Shakti-vesh avatar. What else?
1: Yes. Um, so there's a meditation that I recite at the beginning of the puja. It's in the Odarya Puja manual. I think it's during a part where you're cleansing the mind to prepare for the worship. And it begins, I am by nature the eternal servant of Krishna, but by misfortune, due to being inimical toward him since time immemorial, I have been identifying myself with the body. Every time I recite this, I question the line, due to being inimical toward him, since time immemorial. This sounds more like a naughty Apparat, rather than a naughty Karma. Um, so, I'm just wondering what your perspective is on that. It seems to me it should be something more like, due to being ignorant of him since time immemorial, rather than...
0: Yeah, you could, you could you can change it. <laughs> That's okay. No problem. <laughs> the statement in the Bhagavatam is uh, "Byam bitya bhinibhyeshita set uh so having turned away hmm, so you know, we're turning in another direction constantly. We're turning towards uh, things and not thinking about them for what they really are. <laughs> Misunderstanding them, thinking they're that we can find love in them we can find security in them and so forth and so forth and so on so there's no there's there's you know people want to find the beginning of that but there's no beginning so but we're doing it all the time so so yeah the inimical or envious those are kind of strong words that are that are sometimes used that have kind of like uh Christian Connotations like original sin and what do you call it, original operad? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, no, we're not the jiva, the, the well, the the, the conditioned, uh, materially conditioned, illusion jiva, is not an operati. That's another thing. Hmm. You have to you have to come in touch with Krishna consciousness <laughs> to, be, to to do that. So. Therefore, there is a difference between what sins of the body and um, sins of the soul, so to speak. So, sins of the body, but we, you know, we're using a Christian word, sin, but pop, papa means impiety. So, there's impiety of the flesh and impiety of the of the of the, of the soul. So, in the former, it means that our penchant for for, our lust for things, our attachments, and and, uh, and that which drives the whole of our material life. So that is very superficial, Hmm. that can be done away with very easily. Hmm. I mean, comparatively speaking, uh, and compared to what? Compared to the sins of the soul, which means going against bhakti, hmm, offending saints, and so forth. You're going against, then, the very thing that is compassionately manifesting to help you. So if you bite the hand that feeds you, not a good idea. Hmm, I had a pet raccoon once (laughs) (laughs) that we found (laughs) and took care of, and so forth, and... uh, then one day he bit the hand that fed him. So my father then intervened. It <laughs> wasn't pretty, unfortunately, but uh, um, but operadme means like that. Biting the hand that feed you, so know, at least that hand's going to pull back and go, "Okay, no, I'm not feeding you anymore. I'll see you, see you later." Put the hands in the pockets, and that's not good for you. So um, so that that's. Much more difficult than to navigate that course. Take more time to overcome that, mm-hmm. and just attachment to things that uh, aren't worth being attached to. That uh, you can figure that out even just with your head. Mm-hmm. It, with uh, the help of bhakti, you can figure that out. And to some extent, people do that. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. You know uh, what was that saying? Um, I haven't got my dream jo- job. Was it? I don't have. I don't dream of working for the rest of my life, is uh, laboring to get to get that. Of course, it's coming from someone in your generation who doesn't feel they have much prospect of getting anything any, anymore. It's <laughs> uh, <is> so difficult, <laughs> but but the adage is uh, is worth uh, citing in this context. Mm. All right, so we'll stop there. What's the time? Seven thirty. Okay. So I'm going to be leaving tomorrow. Been nice to be with all of you here. I'll be out on the in the Chapel Hill area for a few more days. On Monday I'll return to the monastery in California, Northern California, Adaria. So again, nice to be with you. I hope to come back again in the spring. Mm-hmm. See, Sri right. Gurudevacharya. Guri Vaisna Guru Paramparaki Jai, Bhaktivinod Vinod Paribaraki Jai, Gaur Bhaktivindaki Jai, Gaur Temanam.